Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sofas, recliners, love seats. Everything is better in leather. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable. And wait a minute. Who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay. Leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. Shop chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Put your right hand in the box. What's in the box? And stop. Put your hand in the box. I don't. <laughs> the thing about fear is the mantra, the litany of fear. Yes. Is that if we just openly start with it every single time, because the audience isn't yet afraid. I think that we should save the litany of fear for when we've made the audience afraid. I have a quote. Can I do give you this quote instead to start this episode? Fire it at me. The abyss remains. It is pregnant with all the things yet to be. Ah. What gentle violence. Gentle violence. And this speaks towards what we are mainly hitting on in this episode in regards to Dune Messiah, and that is the sweet, sweet song of prescience. Yes, hello, welcome to LPN Deep Dives Dune. My name is Henry Zabrowski. I'm your local God Emperor. Uh, you know, I'm here for all your local God Emperor needs. This is Holden McNeely, my human wife, who's my one tether to humanity. I'm like that bird, like that giant bird that takes you from Mount Doom and saves you and brings you back to uh, Galadriel. They never use those birds. And that's the whole thing is like, why not just do the birds in the first place? It's a meme now, Holden. (laughs) It is a meme conversation. But today, uh, what I hope is that before this episode, this is, we do this a little bit on our other show, last podcast on the left. Never heard of it. Uh, Wow. (laughs) But what we like to do is we should set the tone here because today we're talking about because now we're past the plot of Dune 1. Yeah, plot now is, I'm just going to use the turn of phrase, fucking bullshit, bullshit. at this point Because even discussion. Frank Herbert would tell you, plot is like, plot, might as well call it plop, which is the sound of poop hitting, hitting the, the water, water yes. in the toilet. Right? <laughs> Don't, because, a wasted water, by the way, which is unbelievable. Oh, God, I can't believe it. Fremen shit dry. <laughs> So today's episode, I, what I hope you are is I hope that you're you're home or I hope you're at work or I hope it, wherever you're listening to your podcast, this is a really good podcast to go ahead and right before we start, loosen that bell buckle, right? Go put on so your soft pants and we know we're in quarantine, but eventually we're not going to not be in fucking quarantine anymore. No. So if you're at your job, loosen your belt buckle. They can't hold us. Put on some fucking soft pants. What I want you to do is that if you have access to it, I've got some fucking 
crazy sativa from Home Bolt that I'm fucking working on right Very now. Nice. That I'm chawing on, dude. Yeah. And so if you got some sativa, this is a really good episode for some high powered sativa. I'm talking weed. Yeah, we're not, and we're not talking about microdosing. We're talking about macro dosing. Macro dosing to the point where you're like, you know when you smoke so much weed that even just sitting in a chair feels dangerous? Right. That's where I want you to be. Because today we're talking about, we're trying to climb into the mind Ugh. of Paul Atreides and what it's like to be prescient. Which is, the, the prescience, the visions of the future that Paul Atreides has throughout Dune 1, that, and now we're really going to see it only come to a real culmination in the sequel Dune Messiah. And so for me, I think I had this really revelatory moment. Like, I str- I'm going to be honest with you, Henry. First time I read Dune, it was a bit of a struggle for me. Mm. By the end of the book, I really started, I was in the flow state. I you got to get in a flow state yeah, with Dune. You got to. And you got to accept that you're not going to know what all the words mean at first. They, they, are, they don't mean fine. a lot of things. But they, he, Frank Herbert's making up words. Yeah, what's a Chris knife? What's a shluli? We don't know what these things are at first. But the real cool thing at the end of book one was the actually the suggestion of what the sequel would be was essentially like, oh, fuck, I created my own monster. I'm now this like leader of this giant religious war. And it's I even know now in this moment, this is going to get completely out of even my control. And that's where we find our Paul Atreides here at the top of Dune Messiah. Dune Messiah is the fallout. I'm too for you fucking plebs out there. It's the Empire Strikes Back of Dune, right? It is the low point of our hero, Paul Atreides. But he would say, honestly, it's not a low point. It's exactly where he always knew he would be. Dune Messiah, things get a little bit more arcane when it comes to his visions. Now, that's why I think it's important to kind of understand. Because in Dune 1, they kind of throw you into the deep waters. Every single time Paul Atreides has a fucking prescient freak out right like we see it when they first land in the desert when he's first discovering oh shit these visions are coming to me he sees visions later on when he first starting to eat spice hardcore inside of the ch and again after that musical number with one of the worms and he mostly the musical that was him just trying to get away from it i want to be was, like you yeah yeah like, that whole i am thing. sick of musicals <laughs> i want to be like you yeah yeah. oh yeah yeah that, honestly that's that, that would be cute but <laughs> Paul Atreides, he doesn't really talk too much in detail about the nature of his visions. You see, in Dune 1, he alludes to the fact that he is seeing events play out in front of his fucking eyeballs, right? He's seeing actual scenes from which we kind of talked about in those earlier episodes, which is like, I love the idea that he fucking, he's sitting there, he's Timothy Shamalama Ding Dong, he just came into an apricot. He is seeing so right. things zip in and out from like fucking all the way from the Balearian Jihad. He's seeing into the far sequels. He's seeing like the baby Miles tag, which doesn't come up to book six. Uh, he's seeing us now. He's seeing Holden and I sit in a room, right. talk about talk books about that like, he didn't know was based on. You're getting it wrong. You're not saying you anything that is proper or correct when it comes to my story. He is not reading the book carefully enough. Not like my <laughs> handlers did. Thank you, Nanny. All right, I'm not Timothy. a fucking mentat, Timothy Paul. We're not a mentat. Not yet. We're getting closer, though. But in Dune Messiah, cuts to 12 years later, because this is not like a Dune Messiah covering episode. Right. In terms of we're we're done just being like, oh, here's the plot. Here's fucking, you know, sleepy bear. You got to read the fucking book, dog. And the way I will put it this way, let me get we'll, we'll do let's let's give them let's throw these fuckers a bow, okay? <laughs> they, there is a plot against it opens with a plot against 
Paul. Yes. Right? You basically see. So you remember at the very end of Dune 1, we're already in a plot. Plop, 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 plop. In the end of Dune 1, he topples the emperor, right? He says, I want your daughter to solidify the my throne. So he goes, he marries Princess Urulan, uh, but he won't fuck her. Because Cheney is the one who gets the cum. Because yeah. he loves Cheney and he wants her to sire his actual heir. She can't get that baby up in her fucking ute, though. But that is, we'll find out, a secret. The central problem. Yeah, the central problem, but also not um, not because she's barren. It's because they'll, they'll fix that later. They don't want, they just don't want her to have a, he, Paul Trudy says, not want Princess Irulan to have an actual, like, ducal heir through the empirical system. Like, he doesn't want that. He wants Cheney to have a son. And what we actually kind of skipped over at the very end of Dune, Aaliyah, his sister, survives. But Cheney did have a son. And we did forget to say at the very end of that episode that that son died. That son is dead. So, that is not Leto 2. Yeah. We'll get to, we're going to find out what happens with Leto 2. So Doom Messiah opens up with this face dancer character who comes from the Bene Talaxu, yeah. which is another group of cryptic people, just like the Bene Gesserit, but they believe in full, actual Epstein level eugenics, where I was they even gonna say, bake yeah, people in pots. They're kind of the Mangala of, they are. of the Dune universe too. They're very into scientific experiments and creating these terrifying twisted shit. You know that Slaylaxu is where Pitter came from. Yes, Pitter was an evil mentat that was built to be extra devious, and they have these things called face dancers. And face dancers, they can change shape as fucking sweet as fucking hell, right? The funny you, thing is, too, they're actually terrible dancers. Yeah, because, um, well, they do that party. I, I forget that they do the show for them. <laughs> That's right. They where they, they do, show do, 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 up yeah. and Paul is, like, watching bored as all of these people morph into him and do, like, play <laughs> things where, like, Cheney comes up being like, arr, 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 and then yeah. still got crumbs out going, arr, 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 and they all, like, <laughs> supposed to laugh. You know the way how Renaissance plays in movies so like, the audience thinks it's funny, but we don't yes. as as uh, actual yeah, humans? Yeah, it's not. Nothing works about it. There's no time. Timing. There's no uh, good, you know, good commentary. No, there. we don't actually like it. There is also a. Uh, you have the so you have this face dancer named Sightail that is fucking changing shape. There's also Edric, who is the first space guild thing that we'll meet. You see it in Dave Lynch's Dune. Yes, right. Space, the thing space in a guild, tank. Space guild mon monopolizes interstellar travel and banking, and they just are a big kind of players in the bureaucracy of this world. But these motherfuckers think they're hot shit because they run all of the shipping and also because they also have essentially which is prescience light. They have become so filled with spice that they have become these like slithering fish people. Like it's it's dope as hell. But they become like <laughs> and they make like weird fucking faces and like the fucking orange smoke comes out of their mouth. But I will say in the book I thought Spice was supposed to be blue, but then the shit that Edric has in his tank is orange. Oh. Isn't that fucking fascinating? So it just turns your eyeballs blue, but it's orange when you take it in. I don't know, man. Who gives a shit. It's blue in the desert, it's blue, but for his shit, it's orange. So we're already getting past this. They're all, and the Reverend Guy am Moyaham, the one that tested Paul. They're uh, all sitting in a room and yes. they're all plotting they're at the very plotting. beginning of D Dune Messiah. That's, they that's want all this to say there is a secret plot of different members in a council, including Princess Irulan, all in a room trying to take down Paul. They're trying to take down Paul because it's now 12 years later. The jihad led by Paul, the Fremen movement, has taken over the universe yes. in 12 years. 
years. Would, he it, says, according to his jihad, he said that it killed 21 billion people. He's not ordering this to happen, by the way, at well, this point. Is he? Like, it, this yes. is the thing. That's when I said earlier that it got out of his control. Like, he's not, these aren't direct commands. They're just fucking, at this point, just on autopilot, completely taking shit over, right? Basically, this sh- it's like a virus that's gone out of control, but uh, also no, at the same time. I wouldn't time, know anything about that. I will, <laughs> I am going to end myself. <laughs> Um, I gotta get out of quarantine. <laughs> but Paul, uh, yes, in a way, he did. But in, he also did allow it to happen because he didn't stop it. So Paul, at this point, is very disaffected. Princess Irulan is just trying to get a baby up in her guts. Right. Sightail basically promises her, "If you we figure out all of this bullshit, yeah. you're gonna have a baby in your and guts in the meantime, by the end of this. Sit on this plunger, just give it a shot. Put it on yeah. ice. Yeah, put it on ice. But." We, they, they say this thing at the very beginning is that because Edric has prescience light from all of the spice that he has, because he has to be able to view into the future enough that he can guide these giant space guild ships through uh, using uh, like post light speed through long distances through the universe. He's got to be able to kind of predict that what what is a way that a non obstacle ridden path for any one of these spice guild, like various ships and bullshit, right? So, but what they discovered is that because of his power of light prescience, he's actually hidden from Paul's view. Now, you remember before this, everyone's very interested in Paul's visions of the future. Every, it is kind of the hook. It's why Paul becomes this essentially God King he's to like, all of these people. He's like the sports almanac in Back to the Future Part 2. Yes, but <laughs> a lanky man. <laughs> so Paul, he's kind of big up. Well, you see, 12 years into this jihad, his religion has become kind of like very arcane, very intense. It's a full, like, armed guards. Like, he has disciples and apostles and priests, and everybody worships him. They have gi- It's a full-on the theocracy. is crazy sounding. It actually kind of reminds me from what I remember it being described as very dark, right? And yes. it's very like, it remind me of, um, speaking of Ch- another different Cheney, Dick Cheney's house, when you saw the interiors of his home, it's all like black wallpaper and like, he it keeps seems it like that a way. vampire, you know, an evil vampire lives there. Well, Paul says he doesn't want to, like, he doesn't want people to to see his halls and expect like the expect the what you would expect to see in an emperor's bedroom. Yeah, he doesn't want that. He yeah. likes it plain. He likes because he is now doing the. I'm gonna put this out there. He's doing a little bit of the Kurt Cobain "Woe is me." Uh, I can't believe that I'm fucking God King. Uh, look at all of this bullshit I have to deal with. I'm God King, and so. Uh, but also, he doesn't want to enjoy a minute of it because. He does believe he has this terrible purpose. So up until this point, we know as an audience, like he said, he saw this shit physically in the past. But as now in the 12 years since the end of Dune 1 into Dune Messiah, he has the religion has turned into something more wiggity. There's a Dune tarot, right? There's this thing where that he's using divination tools. He doesn't want people to know just how thorough his prescience is because he's found it. It blocks him from people because people are really scared because what he had was generations of people coming up to him and saying like what's my future yeah what's my future and so paul he got sick of this shit uh-huh. so he wanted to make it more mysterious in a way like he doesn't want everybody to know the extent of his powers because everyone just assumes that he knows every single thing but what you're kind of finding going to find out is he does know every single thing that's going to happen 
And because of that, he is now in a, everything's gone out of total control because he has not taken any action because he knows what's coming. Now, I want to actually start with a little bit because in my mind, I wanted to like help the audience kind of like get more into the headspace of what prescience is and kind of what because we talked about the inward gaze, Lindsey Graham. We talked about that in a couple episodes about how he would go away. Right. Right. And then he would come back with these visions. Mm -hmm. And so in Dune Messiah, these going away periods and this point in his life are a part of his life. He is a separate underground keep. That he goes down into to have his visions to come out and say, like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. But he's kind of stopped doing that. But this is kind of what I think how it would be. This is a reading from Beyond the Occult from Colin Wilson, who, if you listen to the last podcast on the left, you know, I talk about Colin Wilson's The Occult many times, but he wrote another book called Beyond the Occult, which is all about ESP. It's, it's fucking dope. the sequel to the occult. It is the sequel to the <laughs> occult. It's beyond. It's the occult, the electric boogaloo. <laughs> so here we go. This comes from a guy named P.D. Ouspensky that if you read him, I, I imagine that he's also one of those dudes that has like a fuck ton of problematic stuff in there too. But oh, this is because sure. he's an old school psychiatrist and visionary. He worked under Gurdjieff. Mothers he's kind of this, should have sex with their sons. It's like that. Yeah. A, a little, little bit. bit but you know, because in the end, he's just throwing spaghetti against the wall. Dogs should fuck the cats and the cats should fuck the frogs. Has anyone ever thought about the sexual realization? of the frog <laughs> but he is he's one of these types he wrote a book called a new model of the universe he is an esoteric thinker and a he's like a philosopher right so he wrote these he would go into trance states specifically and a, a part of it was that he he said that it was it took yoga meditation but he said the main component was old school laughing gas um, that he used to just go into a, uh, used to go into deep trances. And I, I just liked how he kind of, because ex- I imagine in my mind, this is kind of like what it's like to be with Paul and inside Paul's head sure. at all times. Yeah, yeah. The unknown is unlike anything that we can suppose about it. The complete unexpectedness of everything that is met within these experiences, from great to small, makes this description of them difficult. First of all, everything is unified. Everything is linked together. Everything is explained by something else and in turn explains another thing. There is nothing separate. That is, nothing that can be named or described separately. In order to describe the first impressions, the first sensations, it is necessary to describe all at once. The new world for which one comes into contact has no sides, so that it's impossible to describe first one side and then the other. All of it is visible at every point. Tripping balls, dude. Yeah. And so he kind of talks about this idea that he flies through time. And he said the hardest part about the, the trance space that will go into trying to conjure up visions is that you lose any sort of subjectivity. All things become objective and flat and choices, which is kind of what we talked about a little bit. And again, on last podcast and left and they talk about the aloofness of wizards, right? Like people that want to achieve magical states of mind, a part of that and part of the problems with it is that it sometimes can make you think you're above people yeah. in your past 
the concerns of Holden McNeely walking around with his sweater on and his little shoes. It's a sweatshirt and it's a size 10. I just saying no one cares about you in the other world, in the other dimension. Yes, and speaking of dimensions, even Paul, I believe this is Paul himself saying this from Messiah. There are many degrees of sight and many degrees of blindness. What senses do we lack that we cannot see another world around Fucking us? Fucking get with the program, dude. Are you high enough? No. Because, no, you got to be higher than. I can't. Than. This is a job. I have to do my I, job You here. better get high and come back to work. All right? Because this is what he's saying. This is the other mystics talk about in Beyond the Occult is how the one of the hardest part about going into a visionary state is the coming back. Yeah. Because it's this idea of... Y'all keep telling me that my shit's fucking limited, but my shit's not limited. My vision is actually unlimited. My vision is is forever. But here's the paradox, right? The paradox in that is he's completely and terribly confined and constricted. Well, according in this to unlimited him, unlimited vision. According to him, but that is this paradox that I believe Herbert is uh, playing with in this whole book because he loves to toy with. Paradoxes, as we mentioned it, like in the inclusion of Zen Buddhism. And again, he's talking about going off and meditating and doing all these things as well. Yes. And then what you have is at the very beginning of this book, they've arrived with this thing called Gola, which is the Tleilaxu. They build human clones with metal eyes. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and they build these human clones from people that used to live and they have certain programming. And for the, because they're coming from the Tleilaxu, they do everything a la carte and per order. So you can go and order what you want. They make you the yeah. person that you need and I they ship it to you. I want Pamela Anderson's breasts yep. on, uh, uh, who's a famous Yankee? Uh, A-Rod's A-Rod. head. You'll love to see that. You'll love to see it. <laughs> you know, give like me, me. Oh, yeah. I want the real Mario Brothers. <laughs> yes. I want actual photorealistic Mario Brothers to show up and I want them... To be fucking horny for sex, right? Weirdly horny. I just always. like to watch him go at it. Just it's fun. For, it's just something else to do right, in my day. I have to separate them all day and be like, "Come on, guys, 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 I'm trying to work. <laughs> trying to work." Tilaxu, can you guys come pick? Is there a return service? <laughs> Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, so Paul is being confronted by this. They have given him a gift, yes. which is this Gola. And guess who the Gola looks just like? Duncan Idaho. Yes. His old buddy. And the last time he saw Duncan Idaho was when he was being chased out of Liet King's underground chamber where the Fremen were like, they were like having their tete-a-tete. And the last he saw of Duncan Idaho was him getting stabbed to death in a fucking hallway. Now Duncan Idaho shows up. Paul's not happy at the very beginning of this book because there's something going on that he doesn't want the reader to know yet. He obviously is very, very upset with what kind of what's going on around him. This Gola shows up, and this kind of like what Frank Herbert does with the various contradictions. The Tleilaxu openly let everybody know, and the Gola lets Paul know, it looks just like his old buddy. I'm here to destroy you. Yeah. And Paul 
has to work it out because they like Laxo have this weird thing where all of their victims have to have a way out. It's the way their morality works. It's one of those weird ass things. And so Paul is confronted by this Gola that's supposed to do something to him. But what I don't think that the Tleilaxu understand is that they actually fuck themselves. So they describe in their own little world, the Tleilaxu actually built their own version of a Quitsack cataract. Like they built a Neo a long time ago, which is what they dropped this bomb on Princess Irulan. Because also remember, Princess Irulan's Benny Jesser too. Yes. So they're all fucking connected to all little secret societies. So Tleilaxu, they created a Quitsack cataract not that long ago. And guess what that Quitsack cataract did? fucking offed himself right committed suicide so what they're going to try to do is force paul to commit suicide they want him to come they want him to melt down and they're they're going to try to find these pressure points that get to him but paul is obviously he's distressed but the thing is is that it's mostly just because the entire fucking world's on fire because now they're calling iraq as dude right now dude dude has got like some plant life it's got fucking, it's completely yes, taken over the by the Fremen. has started in a section of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like they had planned, but there's still obviously the spice hordes and... All that bullshit, right? Yeah. So, but things are really getting dark. My question here at this point is this. Uh, does Paul see, all right, does, A, is Paul's inaction him actively working against his own vision? And B, does Paul see what's going to happen, pun intended, with the what happens with him at the end in terms I, of... I believe that he knows every single thing. So So even his inaction is working in the confines of the vision. His inaction is is making shit worse, and he knows. Because what he is is going to see all comes out in this one scene that we were going to kind of cover today, which is he has this vision where he goes down into his little fucking keephole, right? And... It's just, it's got to be fucking dope as hell, right? Because he's, he's just like lays out on the grate and he's fucking taking his, he's pounding his spice in his a-hole and they're getting all this kind of shit going on. Like Aaliyah is supposed to kind of fall in love with his Gola. It's all this weird shit's kind of coming up because Aaliyah's been, Aaliyah's real creepy now. Yeah. I do remember, and this is, this might be crude for our show. Okay. But the Aaliyah scenes, the first, you remember when she's training in the nude? That's yeah. the first time I popped a bone while reading. Really? But this is a long time ago when I first read it. I don't remember that. <laughs> you don't remember that scene where she comes out of her and she's nude yeah. and she's training and all stuff and I'm just mad because like I just love a fighting woman. Okay, man, weird. So there was no sex at all in no. the scene. No, no, no. Just I just it just made me imagine breasts. Yeah. And then I did it. And then I did it to me. Thank you, Frank Herbert, you porny bastard. Also, you know how many times he talks about how fuckable people are at the very beginning of this book? He yeah. just talking, he's just always a horny man. Oh, he's a horny guy. Um, I mean, that's just maybe his thing because he's not like Mr. Cocaine and all this kind of stuff like some of these other sci-fi guys. But he was happily married for like fucking 85 years. Oh, come on. They went to a couple of fun parties. Maybe, you know maybe, maybe I mean? a little bit. Maybe I one of the, have you ever been to one of those stamp parties? Uh, you got to lick, lick and seal the envelope? Now, this, uh, <laughs> this is disgusting. And you did yeah, this. You're disgusting. Yeah, no, you're disgusting. So they go down to the keep, and he is having this vision, and he has this vision of a moon essentially falling from the sky. It like deflates like a balloon. And he's jacked up about it. He eats a dangerous amount of spice for yes. this vision he as well, He pushes it right? because he's, he's, he's kind like, of stopped. I know I have to like kind of take it to the edge here at, right now, right? Yes. Like Lady Gaga would say, you know, he's the edge, the edge, I'm glory. the edge. She, he, 
new because he hasn't had a legit vision in a long time. So he's he, having pussy visions, right? Just dumb little, like a little boy eating a lollipop. He's like, what do like, I oh, do I that? knew we'd eat that lollipop. <laughs> All the boys like candy. What they the fuck? Did, but he's just, you don't have to be preceding to let a boy <laughs> suck on a lollipop for a couple hours. But he goes down to the keep and he sees this moon tumble out of the sky in this vision. Now, this is where I think it's interesting because I, I think the reason why he shifts to like, instead of actual scenes to actual visions is because he is blocked out viewing the future because of, of what he was seeing and this moon shows up to fuck with him because guess what Modib is the nickname of the second moon of Arrakis I don't know if anybody like and the Fremen they call themselves the children of the moon because when he casually renamed himself Modib it all connected back in Dune 1 and also Arrakis is a two moons planet like you kind of see it it must be cool in, in the nighttime. So he sees his things fall. And I believe we have a quote from it, right? Yeah, yeah. Here, here. Um, a moon, a moon, a moon. Frustration tangled him. He felt the pressure of mass unconscious, that burgeoning sweep of humankind across the universe. They rushed upon him with a force like a gigantic tidal bore. He sensed the vast migrations at work in human affairs, eddies, currents, gene flows, no dams of abstinence, no seizures of an impotence, nor maledictions could stop it. Maldiv's jihad was less than an eye blink in this larger movement. The Bene Gesserit swimming in this tide, that corporate entity trading in genes was trapped in the torrent as he was visions of a falling moon must be measured against other legends other visions in a universe where even the seemingly eternal stars waned flickered died what mattered a single moon in such a universe it's because he's the moon yeah and he starts to break it down and he yeah sorry to blow your fucking minds right now it's fucking dope <laughs> i love this part of the book because he was fucking freaking out he has the Gola shows up because the thing about Duncan Idaho is that Duncan Idaho is the the Gola because right now he's called Hate right that's his name H A Y T and so they Jinx. his whole thing oh no now you gotta spank you can't me. talk for the rest of the podcast episode until I say your name Henry it's thank fine. you yeah yeah Jesus fucking Christ <laughs> thank you for releasing me from my prison Hate comes in. Dungan I know. Dungan I know is struggling. The hate is is fucking struggling with the fact that he's trying to remember that he's Duncan Idaho. And there's gonna be a whole crux of why he needs to remember it because they Dilly Laxo put that in there as like a trap for Paul. Like this whole bullshit. Because essentially when Duncan Idaho comes back to realization that he's Duncan Idaho and then he finds out that Paul is actually Harkonnen, Duncan Idaho is supposed to immediately kill him, right? But he comes in, he's always talking about this, like, this moon shit. He's just like, I saw a moon fall, hate. I saw a moon fall. And he's like, well, you know, what's the fuck? What does that mean? Yeah. And he's just like, oh, you know, it's like, it's all this fucking bullshit, man. All this bullshit's coming up, dude. And he's just like. He's like, I'm sitting here to destroy you. Oh, so I don't even know what you're even trying to talk about. Honestly, I don't even know why we're doing this improv scene together. <laughs> and he realizes that the moon, where we're going to see now, is that the moon vision was his subconscious coming all the way to the front, which is the adab, right? The persistent memory that finally cut through all of the bullshit. And he finally really opened his eyes. And this is a spoiler alert. He realizes his Cheney hasn't been unable to have a child. Yeah. You find out it's because Princess Irulan was giving her a, like a contraception. Essentially poisoning her. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Contraception. But he realized that he had to come to terms with the fact 
that his subconscious had to come all the way around to explain, to make him see, you know what the vision is. Cheney is going to have a son of yours, but the only way he's going to have, she's going to have twins. But the only way that's going to happen is if she dies in the process, mm. which is the only thing that he loves in the whole world. And also the moon. He must fall. He has to fall. Yeah. And he knows that he has to destroy the God King version of himself, uh, yes. which is the, uh, it's the hardest pill to swallow because in his mind, he's like, it's not about just committing suicide, which is what everybody's trying to essentially make me do because yeah, then my let, shit will go yeah, far. And he can't let uh, these fuck faces take over the throne or whatever. No, they're going to mess, make it even worse. They're going to make it even worse because he sees that in the vision too. So he has to do it. A fucking yeah, he sees a, weird he sees ass a way. team of men in red hats storming a oh, massive Oh, God, palace. no! <laughs> but he, he sees what he has to do, and we see that play out in what I consider to be the best scene yes. in all of Dune. Are you, are you talking about you, when the, the shit goes down? Yeah, it's All so this cool. shit goes down because I'm, well, you know, the, we're going to yada, the, yada, yada a little bit of Dune. I'll call it a mechanic. Almost. Like the mechanic of the blindness is so, with the foresight, is so cool and such an interesting concept that, yeah, I think that that is one of the cooler aspects of the entire series. And he has to, like, unlock his future. And he has seen the scene and the scenes that are going to happen in front of him so many times throughout these years that he knows exactly where to place his feet for fucking this whole ending sequence. Yeah. Where he goes and he meets a little person named Bijaz. Man, he does meet a little person. Bijaz, dude. Fucking, you gotta read this book, dude. Yeah, Bijaz is cool, dude. He fucking listens to, you know what I mean? He went through like his whole indie phase, but now he's kind of down with everything. He listens to all sorts of music. Well, because his shit is, is that he has to make the religion. He realizes what's kind of happened here is that his religion has kind of, it's obviously gone out of control, but he. It's it's empty. The cities are starting to become modern. The still suits aren't fitting anymore, right? People are becoming used to, they're losing the Fremen edge. I love this. I love this. This gives me one of my favorite quotes the from Words of Mount Dib by Princess Irulan, which I believe is one of the beginning quotes of a chapter. Empires do not suffer emptiness of purpose at the time of their creation. It is when they have become established that aims are lost and replaced by vague ritual. That's exactly I what he's trapped that. in. And that is exactly what happens with, that is such a Everything. smart insight insight into how empires fall, how, Remember, how governments become stale and shit. Like as soon as the purpose is removed, people just get terrible. People, Frank Herbert thought that Dune was going to fix the world. Right. And guess what happened? It's just you and me talking about it, buddy. Yeah. That's and Zendaya. It. And Zend. I mean, she's rocking the world though, man. She is. She's killing it. You see it? She is. So they have to go. He has to figure out what the hell he's got to do. He goes, meets fucking B. Jaws, is who I should be playing in the movie. That would, for sure. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, he's me a showing little wormy like, man with bad hands. It's everything. He's a little leave. robot. Because you find out that the B. Jaws is all a part of this whole plot. They're all trying to fuck with Paul. He yeah. meets this little dude. He's the most unfuckable person you could have fathom. You know what I mean? Facebook, they can line between many an enemy and many a friend. When that line stops, there's no beginning and no end. 
Let's end it, my friend. So in your OK Cupid profile picture, you were like way taller. Bigger, looking. yeah. I'm actually a psychic robot harlequin little yeah. person. Check, please. Bye. <laughs> so Paul is he knows that there's a fucking Fremen, like there's like an inside of the Fremen world, like everyone's splitting off. They're, they all think that Paul's fucking weak. And what happens, like what happened with Tony Soprano, right? If you, they think you're weak, they're all going to fucking come for you. Right. So he's got to go out. He fi- he has to go find his old buddies. So he goes, he sees Bijaz. Bijaz gives him a bunch of cryptic shit. He's trying to suss out who's the last Fremen that he can fucking trust. Meanwhile, he's now, his vision is like, razor sharp like he is seeing all of this shit flow around him from time to time to time they go because Bijaz remember that he can do like like he sings this little song that can make it. Duncan yeah. Idaho can make hate the Gola into Duncan Idaho yes where you, and then Duncan Idaho's like what I'm alive so yeah so that's the whole thing with the Duncan Idaho arc is that Idaho actually somehow manages to come back into his own consciousness and this hate Gola clone ends up becoming essentially the true Duncan Idaho by yes the and so but what happens is that because they're chasing down this last of this Fremen bullshit. He knows that they're going to try to kill him. So they've lured him out to this little hut where Bijaz is, and he, he, by his old buddy, his old buddy, that was, you would have met him if you'd read the books. We didn't cover him in the, the first four books, but he's like, he's like, you know, fucking, I don't know how you put it. It's like one of the, you remember the Giovanni Rubisi from Saving Prior Ryan? Yeah. He's like one of those old time friends, those old time war buddies. And he fucking, he gets, flipped and the Paul goes down and he knows this whole thing's rigged to explode right and when it explodes Paul goes completely blind this thing blinds him and so Paul because he knows every minute of the future which is why this fucking shit the coolest yeah. fucking part of this whole fucking book dude yeah. he knows the future so well that he doesn't have to see shit he can just remember all of the stuff that he's gotta do in, in order to get to the end result. Which freaks everybody out. Because he's because blind he's, as fuck. And he's just like, Ted, good to see you. Hey, I <laughs> see you wearing a red shirt today. That's nice. Like, he's doing... Like, oh, fuck, this guy's the shit, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's a whole scenario here with that. Oh, yeah, dude. So cut to what, also one of the craziest shit. Because, of course, he finds out all the shit goes down. Cheney has died in childbirth. He is not... A happy man. Yeah. He goes in. He sees she's got twins, a girl and boy. He comes, he sees there. He's, he's they're alive. Everything's cool. Sidetail shows up now. He's doing all of this shit. His bombs go off and he's completely fucking blind. Again, I get what we said before. Everyone's like, oh, damn. Oh, yeah. fuck. I can't believe it. That's a fucking holy shit. Fucking- Give him the rock. <laughs> Give him the rock. He's hitting the threes. <laughs> he's on fire. And so he shows up. Sightail's a whole long thing. Sightail, the face dancer, he's got the kids all hostage and shit. And he's like, what we're going to do here, precious little pole, is I will allow you. I will take your dead wife. I will take Cheney, your dead concubine. And I will make a copy for her. And so they didn't, how about that? And then in order to exchange that, you're going to have to give Tleilaxu all of this bullshit. We're going to, we are the ones in charge. Paul's totally blind. At this point, his vision has ended. So he doesn't know what's going to happen next. But all of a fucking sudden, he's just like, why can I see something? Why can I see? This motherfucker, all of a sudden, 
looking out the eyes of his own baby. Yeah. Dude. Right. In that scene where he cuts, it's like, he's like, how can I see Saitel? And he's like, oh, I'm looking at me. I'm looking at me. And he looks and he's like, the baby goes like, yeah, daddy, we yeah. fucking got his fucking ass because the babies are both born completely aware. The babies are again, much like Aaliyah in a sense. Abomination. They, they are. They, they are a sort of, they are, they're technically abomination. They oh, well, definitely. Well, they, abomination gets thrown out a lot more uh, in the yeah. third book. It's yeah. real, real willy nilly, all the abomination thrown around, but uh, we'll get there. But either way, they, they, uh, yeah, they have all that past sense memory stuff that like Aaliyah had after uh, Jessica went through the whole Reverend Mother ceremony with the. Oh yeah, they are water of life. So they are infants, but they're also adults that can speak. How did they attain this power? Just by merely being the child of Paul? It seems that it is a combination of their DNA. They explain it a little bit in Children of Dune, mm-hmm. but it's a combination of their DNA and just the straight up, just how much spice be up in Cheney's guts. And how is Paul able to see through Leto's eyes? Because Leto is connected to all the all memories like everybody else's. Yeah. So he managed oh, okay. to jump into the mind of his child, which means to look also, out his eyes, and then he does a thing where he sees he, he's like, and then I do the triangulations, I do them, and then he fucking throws a knife into the head of fucking Saitel, and again everyone's just like, oh no, right, shit. right, high five, oh and, shit, yeah, 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 that was fucking sweet. <laughs> it's a cool part. It's a cool part. It's my favorite part of almost it's, any sci-fi book. Yeah, 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 yeah. Super badass. Except for. We'll get to the end of book three. I was going to say, book, book three th- is my, end the end of book three, three is my and honestly, absolute favorite moment in almost any book. The end of book four, I actually thought about how good that would have made a, a metal, specifically a psychedelic yes. metal music video. Yes, like, dude. No dialogue, just starting on the, br- I know I'm jumping way ahead, but. Oh, Emperor, when they're on the bridge with all the soldiers? Starting on the bridge. We, from we, this the is moment. God Emperor talk that we're going to have to say for I'm next saying, episode. That music video is so clear, an animated music video with like a Ooh. fucking electric wizard fucking oh, yeah, dude. Uh, a song or like a starting sleep, at their wedding like where they're like song. yeah yeah like a, oh dude just, and just like sweet. all that shit going down this fucking oh man it's disgusting what happens after they're on the bridge <laughs> either way getting back to old dude messiah the man it's a he's blind but he can see he can see he throws that fucking knife through the guy's head and so then they're all like oh, okay dude all right, cool. And then, so now everything's done, and then, now they're like, well, what do we do? Because they have kind of exposed that there's this massive revolution happening, and they kind of have to figure out what to do. But there's this, like, weird sticky rule. And this is the thing about these Fremen, right? It's the yeah. fucking, there's so many rules. And he has to be, yeah, it's a little bit of, little cum covered. All and of it. it's the way Paul has threaded the needle, where he sees, okay, this is how I get out. Which is, there's a rule that if you are blind in the Fremen tribe, they're supposed to throw you into the fucking desert. Yes, you are cast out. <laughs> Which is a lot. Essentially because you're essentially useless to survive. You hurt, you'll hurt them. Yeah, you'll be a hazard. But everyone's like, we'll get the Tleilax you to build you new eyes right. and shit. And he's just like, nah. He's like, fuck a pair of eyes. And they're like, whoa. <laughs> and he's just like, I have eyes though. He's like, yeah, fuck your eyes. Yeah, fuck Jerry fuck Orbach. Yeah. Do you remember Jerry Orbach giving people his eyes willy-nilly? Yeah, fuck all that. Fuck that shit. Yeah. He saw, he. They're he, like, we're not familiar with Jerry Orbach. Did, it's you like, know? Why Order. It's old, yeah, law and order. You did old Earth. You don't remember it. <laughs> Orange so- Catholic Bible. It's in there. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. 
Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So the way this book ends is that they're all like, you don't gotta go. You don't have to go. And he's just like, let me let you go. I gotta go. And he just walks into the fucking desert yeah. like a lone gunman, man. Just like, that's also a fucking music video I could see. Yeah, just him, him walking, walking through the fucking the desert. desert and the scraggly thing, yeah. just going out there to die. But that's what he saw in his visions. And I believe that's what he saw the whole time. Well, and as we all know, every time someone in the Dune book series that just goes into the desert, they always just die. Oh, yeah, dude. They never just Meanwhile, live through Benny that. Jesser, there is literally a Benny Gesserit maxim that says, always be sure to yes. see the body. Yes. <laughs> and that is, of course, not going to happen here. Spoiler alert for book no. three. But we we uh, we do still at least get Paul is no longer the Paul that we know for the rest of the series. No, no. Paul even, is. Even in book. Yes. He's even, morphed again. Yeah. So he went from God King and now he is Desert Prophet. Yes. Which is, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays in book three. That's what makes him the Messiah, right? That's how we get to the dude Messiah. He had to not die, sacrifice himself, cast out, sacrifice himself in order for the good of the universe as he sees it. Yes, because he's also in lockstep. He's he's the one that called it a terrible purpose. He's the one that took this on Here's, when because they keep talking about in the book which is what i think is interesting about prescience is that like well if you can see every single thing that happens on some level and yet but you still you're choosing action you're choosing things which is why he became so dormant right was because every single time he chose something it would turn into something else but then he started realizing me not choosing things and not doing things is turning into things too and but the thing is that if you start doing shit and while he does walk that walk and he does make this one vision of the future real like is he just walking history or is he making it happen yeah like that's the thing is is he making it like, is he making reality? Like, because he says, I have to make these choices because these are the only choices that can be made. Yeah, it's almost like it reminds me of issues and paradoxes in time travel. Yes. You know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah, where it's like, does what I choose affect the future or is it all just going to inevitably go down the way it's going to go down no matter what I do? Is there an objective fate? Like, are we all locked into the stars? Here's- like, Or is there or is... Or we, like he said in your first book, where he said, when I view time, I view it like a ribbon in the wind. Here's a quote from Paul. I live in an apocalyptic dream. My steps fit into it so precisely that I fear, most of all, I will grow bored reliving the thing so exactly. That's the thing, because he was growing bored living it so exactly, and it became really rigid, Because, but also, as he was doing it, every inch of it led him closer to the death of the only thing he loves in this world, which is Cheney. Yes. But my question to you, Holden, have you ever experienced prescience? How dare you? I'm asking. You know, I, I was gonna ask you, I'm gonna I don't mean to answer a question with a question. Mm. I would say personally I, I knew swing was coming back in the early nineties. <laughs> I knew it was coming back Cherry, as a boy. I, and I knew that the name Cherry Pop and Daddies was one day gonna be a problematic name for a band. Yes. So there's because it means wow it does mean group rape yeah a bunch of guys just having sex with a bunch oh, of virgins. virgins yeah it's interesting uh Eve, they right. could could have sent it 
Well, I would say I'm a big old turned off negative Nancy when it comes to that sort of stuff personally, right? Like I don't have ghost interactions. I don't have, I kind of live through Lexi for a lot of that. I believe Lexi's very, your wife Lexi is very attuned to the psychic. And, and I do believe in women's intuition and maybe that's sexist, but the idea, I feel like I see more of a female alignment to prescience like, or, or just, um, and I think it, Honestly, it maybe has more to do with the, like, other memory shit we've been talking about. But, like, Lexi will talk about how her mom essentially always knows when she's going through a really tough time and calls. Like, she has dreams where she sees Lexi having some, you know what I mean? And kind of nails it out of the gate. And maybe it's just like you could say it's lucky or blah, 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 or whatever you want and say. But, you know, and even Lexi will be like... I know my mom is hurting right now. I'm trying like, and, and then she'll get in touch with her. Right. Yes. And I do think that there, and I think maybe it is like literally, well, especially like, if you have an emotional you have have, bond, you have to have like the person literally inside of you to be oh, able yeah. to, I, but I feel like that foresee that or, or, or predict anything I think that's like an that. actual physical animal connection. Yeah. You said, if you read the book, uh, I believe it is uh, secret history of consciousness by Gary Lockman. And that book, he says that humankind, which I think is interesting. Um, who was also the former he used to was in Blondie. But he became this, like, he got a PhD, and he's, like, deep into all these consciousness studies. And one of the things he talks about is that how they believe that humankind, at an earlier state, was more psychic. And that we were actually, and you could actually call it closer to instinct, that we were more all on a kind of, like, a network because we had to for survival, especially when we were nomadic. And that it kind of went away as we created a more static civilization because we didn't need it as much anymore, especially once we actually developed like things that deliver information. Right. But that's the thing. Her mom doesn't even have a cell phone. So she really catches Whoa. it. You know what I mean? Or she doesn't have her own smartphone. Oh, least. oh. I was like, so what she like, she appears before her, like the fucking <laughs> Star Trek. Like she literally go, yeah, yeah, Lexi touches her forehead and her finger starts glowing, and then she starts talking to her mom. It's really cool. I fear women. <laughs> but my whole body quakes while it's happening, and I, then I, I forget then I piss my pants. I'm deeply, time. deeply afraid. <laughs> so um, Henry, but, what about you? Have you ever had a moment? I mean, I definitely have had moments of like, I shouldn't get into this car right now. You know what I mean? That kind of thing, oh, if yeah. that's what you're talking about. Have I had a moment of future thought? Full on future thought? <laughs> I don't no, know. I haven't had that, but I do, <laughs> I do honestly, um, like this is where fucking take a bong rip right now because uh, we'll, we'll just head into the, I'm bone sober. I don't even know how I get to do this. Do a dabber, as you kids sure. call it. Sure. I, uh, I have had instances, and the more I read about it, read Beyond the Occult by like Colin to. Wilson. This is very, very interesting. Some of it's outdated, but I do like, and some people kind of get on Colin Wilson because he's not a primary source, but I do like the way he puts this shit together. I, from what I have read, and the shit I've seen behind my eyelids when I'm fucking tripping balls, I don't necessarily think time as a linear construct i don't think it works mm-hmm. mm. like a linear construct right. okay I'm i think definitely, that, i'll definitely go with you down that down that alleyway. i think that there is a there there is some level of consciousness that shows that uh that there because there's just so many people who've experienced Tom's it a flat third <laughs> yes he said but, that very nicely in the team show that but carl was, young experienced it 
but that quote, that quote uh, of uh, there are many degrees of sight and many degrees of blindness. What senses do we lack that we cannot see another world around us? I think that 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 is incredibly true when it comes to this whole concept. Like we use we need time as a concept because of our limited. So we can make people work. Yeah. Yeah. So we can. uh, The idea of that's what a supposed society relies on. Right. These like which are kind of they're. They, there are structure, right? I can't, we obviously, I can't talk about, like, I'm not a physicist, we're not, we're morons, right. so I can't talk about, like, is time a real force, no, which is a constant it. fight it within the be, world of physics? It has to be a unit of measure just to make things make sense. I mean, right now, I'm learning how to read music, and you better believe time is, like, an obscene, of course, incredibly important when it just even comes to being able to figure out what... Uh, the notes on the page mean or or how they come out on a piano. But like, also how time and space intersect, yeah. right? Or the idea of, there are, in a cult world, they talk about like the idea of the, the map is not the territory, which is this idea that you can talk about concepts and you can, um, you can see concepts or read about concepts, but you're never... You're never in it unless you're in it. Like, you're not going to experience it unless you experience it. They're two different things. Like, you can't just read something and expect it to actually explain every single thing that's going on in the universe. Like, you can't, like, you you have to walk it. That's one very simple explanation of sure. it. But I, there are many people who've experienced out-of-time moments that I respect. Carl Jung, Philip K. Dick, uh... Ospensky, which I think is really interesting. The guy that we talked about, the guy with the the guy that wants to make the dogs have sex. Yeah, dogs the have to, in order for a dog to experience its highest potential, mm-hmm. a dog must have its penis manipulated by a human doctor. I just want a number three biggie-sized, sir, uh, with a Coke. <laughs> yeah, I guess this is the best job I could get with my philosophy degree. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they, uh... I just, I, um, you know, man, I'll fucking, I don't know if time's real dog. So fuck you, dude. <laughs> so I ain't showing up to work so today. Saying, yeah. So it all has, so uh, everything's all happening kind of at once in a certain sense, in a way that we can't fully conceive of because of our limited brain capacity. But some of these people do have the ability to see everything at one time in a sense. I started to try to read, I think another good source for this is Carl Jung and reading, I started getting into the his book Memories, Dreams, and Reflections, sure. which is him classic. trying to explain his shit. Have you read? No, I just know that's a classic. Uh, like in psychi- his yeah. bullshit, he, Jungian text. He had an experience too. He wrote it all in a book called The Red Book, which is he didn't want to publish. It is like his dream journals, essentially, where he kind of had this idea that like our consciousness there is a conscious consciousness that uh is one section but then there is an, an unconscious consciousness obviously with the and that the collective unconscious like the idea of us all of our group consciousness all float together no, i'm ter- i'm obviously i'm explaining this terribly you should try to read well, the book well what's hilarious is that's all kind of starting to come to life digitally uh, through, via well, the internet right we talked about it fucking we talked about it several times on last podcast enough that i do believe that the internet is the physicalization of sure. our psychic connection, which is yeah. also the reason why it's so the people say that AI, I mean, <laughs> part, part of it, it it's just because most of the sludge. people on the planet are horrible. Human yeah, beings. it's just sludge. A lot of it's just sludge. But then I also think it's why, and I get in tr- maybe trouble for saying this, why I think AI is a natural extension of the human experience. Sure. Because what it is is just the building blocks 
oh, the, the internet is just kind of the building blocks of us creating one giant neural network, like a brain, essentially, and that the AI is going to be the people fueled by this brain, and that, you know, they're just going to take over because maybe they'll figure out how to make electric cars that people like. Did Frank Herbert himself distrust technology? Was yes, it a that's wish? why the Balearian Jihad. I was to say, is that a wish of his and not just like an interesting, yeah. He, oh, he, no, yeah, he did not like what, uh, he did not enjoy what technology was doing. He couldn't, I don't think, when did I don't he pass think away? he would like Twitter. Did he get to see an iPad? No, he died in 1986, so he died before everything okay, got vaguely modern. good for him, because yeah. I don't think he would have enjoyed any of that. I think he would, I think he, he would probably attack Steve Jobs at a, some kind oh, of he'd cocktail be like, party. You! <laughs> You Talaxu be Talaxu beast. He just called me a Talaxu beast. I don't even know what's going on. I've got a Greek curse word. <laughs> um, but I think that we um have confused people enough. Sure, um, I'll go this, with that. This was a good beginning conversation for honestly i just wish we were higher for it i'll tell you what and if you have experienced what you feel is true prescience please hit me up in the dms of whatever and uh, i'll read all that shit i I love to hear your stories of uh because i honestly i do feel very and i do think i am purposely blocked off from that stuff because i just want to live a normal i just want to play my video games and get a solid eight hours i get it and and when i lay down to bed i so i kind of keep myself away from these sorts of uh, terrifying I, uh, conjurings of thought. At the beginning of quarantine, I was taking a lot of mushrooms yeah. and I was like way more into this and I was doing a lot of meditation. So I got to touch a little, it really was like getting into it, yeah. getting into it. But with doing Dunecast and last podcast at the same time, I'm now way more like, please just give me a hamburger. I need to go to sleep. Right. But normally I like the idea of, I really like the idea of testing my consciousness. Psychonaut. I wouldn't call myself a psychonaut because I won't do spice. You know what I mean? I feel like you only Which call yourself our situation psychonaut. would be ayahuasca, I'm guessing. Well, no, they're the, the no spice, the fake weed. I would do anything for prescience, but, but I won't, won't do spice. spice. No, no, no. I won't do I will do it. I said I'll do it. I'm just talking about fake weed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Don't even get me started on fake weed, bro. So thank you guys for listening to another episode of Dunecast. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, we're just going to keep blowing your brains out with these episodes. With hot fire. We hope you stick around with us as we continue to explore the necessary ins and outs of Frank Herbert's, um, uh, I'm going to say, Magic Mountain. I am going to say this because we are pre-recording this, but I do believe at some point we will be playing the Dune RPG on Twitch.tv slash Last Podcast Dune 2, the sequel, the true sequel to Dune. Dune we, 2, the RTS game. I'm very excited. And um, we don't have any merch. We're not going on tour. Uh, but check out the other LPN shows. Uh, check out Last Podcast and Left, Wizard and the Bruiser, Abling his top hat. Now you got to name Page them all. Seven. This is the I, every time. Um, <laughs> oh, just remember all the shows you're in charge of, Henry. Um, someplace underneath. Someplace underneath. It's going to be really cool. It's with crushing Natalie it. It's already Amber. out. It's been crushing it. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, then, of the hearing of this episode. But you listen to it. Brighter side. That's the other one. No dogs in space. Fraudsters. Fraudsters. We got a lot of shows. It's kind of fun. So why don't you check them out, huh? <laughs> Do me a fucking favor and check them out, okay? So I don't have to keep just, pumping them. Just let the boy sleep in your house. <laughs> let the boy sleep in your bed. <laughs> All right, thank you guys. Thank and you guys. Um, bless the maker. 
Bless the comings and the goings of him. The abyss remains. It is pregnant with all the things yet pregnant. to be. Ah, what gentle violence. Gentle violence. And now for a scene from Dune Theater. We now join Paul in his chamber the night he took over the throne. He is accompanied by Chani and Princess Irulan. Dear God, what have I unleashed upon the universe? Well, off to bed. Oops, I fell into your bed. Princess Irulan, get out of here. You know my seed is only for my real fake wife, Chaney. I run as the shadow. I kill as the tigers. I love you, Chaney. What a crazy ride we've been on. I really should get some sleep, though, because I have about 15 minutes before the jihad begins. What? I see all. I go blind in the next one. Next what? Yep, you see, one day, a weird old horny man is going to write a book about all of this. A series, in fact, that spans six books. We're only at the end of the first one. What happens to me in the second one? Let's talk about something else. Like how one day, two even weirder, even hornier old men are going to make a podcast about this. They'll do a podcast about us. It's named after an iPod, even though it'll be exclusively on Spotify. I'm so confused. Yeah, you're a real Jon Snow. But you can skip Game of Thrones. They really shit the bed in season eight. I know literally everything. Hang on a second. Who's trying to steal my seed? Princess Irulan, get the hell out of here. I got a need. A need for seed. You have made that clear, yes. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sofas, recliners, love seats. Everything is better in leather. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable. And wait a minute. Who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay. Leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. Shop chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.